signs that you may want to look out for, emotional and physical exhaustion. So as clinicians, we're essentially exposing ourselves to a level of traumatization. Um, you may have trouble sleeping or you're starting to isolate yourself from others. You, you're feeling a little depressed. But we do this because we're drawn to helping others, even though the potential effect can take that toll on ourselves. This is Kathy Driscoll, Chief Nursing Officer at Humana. Welcome to The Voice of Humana Nurses, a podcast about clinicians committed to improving lives. Join me, other nurses from Humana, and special guests as we discuss topics nurses care about. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Voice of Humana Nurses. I'm Kathy Driscoll, Chief Nursing Officer at Humana, and today I'm happy to host two guests, two of our fellow clinicians at Humana that I've had the pleasure of working with very closely this year. With me today are Athena Sear, Associate Director at Senior Bridge, and Jackie Holland, Associate Director with Humana at Home Behavioral Health Care Management Teams. Both are some of the founding members and very engaged members of our Social Services Advisory Council, which we'll talk about a little more in a few minutes. Athena and Jackie, welcome to the Voice of Humana Nurses podcast. I'm really happy that you've joined me today as my guests. Thank you so much for having us, Kathy. Yeah, thank you. Really happy to be here. So Jackie and Athena, we're, we're all three of us are clinicians, nurses, social workers, licensed professional counselors. And I think one of the reasons that we're drawn to the professions that we hold are because of the care and the compassion and the opportunity of relationships for others, the people that we care for, their families, and our coworkers. It's a noble calling that comes with a lot of reward in being able to help people when they're most vulnerable. We have this caring connection with others, but that can also make us vulnerable to feeling distress within ourselves. So we're going to talk about how we deal with compassion fatigue and how we might take care of ourselves while we take care of others. I'm really looking forward to this conversation today. But before we dig deeply into the topic at hand, we do like to get to know a little bit about our guests first. So Athena, why don't you start? What would you like to share about yourself with our listeners today? Thanks, Kathy. And again, thank you so much for having us on your podcast today. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and I live in Brooklyn, New York. I'm actually moving to Connecticut in two weeks. <laughs> I love to travel, and mostly because I love learning about different cultures. My favorite travel experience was going on a safari in Tanzania, Africa, and spending some time in the local villages with the Maasai tribe. I was so intrigued by their fearless nature as they live one-on-one -on -one with the wildlife. Well, that sounds like an amazing experience. Jackie, how about you? Thanks, Kathy. I am a licensed professional counselor, and I live in Dallas, Texas, and, and my newfound love is, is not as important as Athena's love of travel, but um, I have a love of pop sockets that I have recently started collecting. I just think they're so cute and just love to get new ones. But all jokes aside, I do have a passion for behavioral health and all things that have to do with promoting this important aspect of our health. Great. So those are two really divergent ways of, of getting to know each of you. But I know that both of you are extremely talented and extremely dedicated clinicians. So before we dive a little bit more deeply in the conversation, I'd like to take a little bit of our time to talk to you about how we're focusing some energy around building a community of practice for our social service professionals at Humana. 
We have our nursing communities, our pharmacy communities. Jackie, why don't you talk a little bit about how uh, the group has gotten together for this newly formed community of uh, social service professionals? Thanks, Kathy. You know, it has been something that we have been working on for so many years, and I really appreciate all the support that you've given to getting us going. I'm really proud of Humana for recognizing the importance of creating a community for social services professionals, and that happened in early 2019. We all got together to form an advisory council so that we could put more energy around creating a support system for these types of professionals and really recognize the value that they provide to the company and to our members. Our council is called the Social Services Advisory Council, and it's comprised of all social services professionals. So like you said earlier, Kathy, social workers, counselors, and really any associates who work in the behavioral health or the social services field to help our members. We sit in various roles across the company, whether we are member-facing or non-member-facing. The organization really supports having these types of roles because we know that this side of health is so important for our members. And this also includes associates who may not be licensed, yet still work to help our members in this capacity. Our mission is to lead and create an enriching environment for social workers and social service professionals so that we may excel in our profession and positively impact the internal and external communities that we serve. This means that we want to offer a clinical home for all Humana associates who have a passion for social services. Very well put. And I can attest to the passion that each of the members of our, our social services advisory council bring to the table. And I agree with you. Um, I'm, I'm really glad that we focus some energy on this group this year. You know, we've found that having a really strong sense of belonging can really impact engagement, well-being, and ultimately the quality of care that's delivered to our members when we focus on communities of practice or we focus on groups that have, you know, kind of that united sense of purpose. Athena, can you discuss a little bit some of the successes and some of the accomplishments that the Advisory Council has has made this year in its first year? Really impressive things. Sure, Kathy. Um so just along, going along with what you said in terms of um, identifying the sense of community. So we are dispersed across the organization. Um, there's many social service professionals all over uh, Humana. And it's very important that we are inclusive of our social service professionals throughout the company. So currently, we have representatives in many different departments, um, such as behavioral health in the utilization management and medical behavioral health, uh, Humana at Home in home care management and Senior Bridge, where I'm from, <laughs> retail in the Medicaid and telephonic sectors, um, Humana government, partners in primary care, and um, employee assistance in our enterprise talent development and continuing education department. So having representatives across the enterprise really captures the voice of social service associates in Humana. Another success is putting communication channels in place to begin to establish community. We have an internet platform such as SharePoint, which is up and coming in 2020. You can get to that site by going to go slash social services. We also have a social media platform or Buzz, um, which is a great tool for community building. We've began to utilize Buzz to connect to the community, and we encourage everyone to go on our Buzz app, um, social services community, and share something about themselves or ask questions, find commonalities, 
share best practices, and so much more. There's really a lot of great discussion on this platform, and it contains a lot of really important updates that the Advisory Council is working on. We've also focused a lot on recognition. We feel it's so important that recognition is a part of the focus of our council. And we want to emphasize the value that social service professionals bring to the company and to our members. And what a better way than through award recognition. Most recently, we engaged the social service community on Buzz to name an award that the Advisory Council has been working on. And it's set to be available for nominations in 2020. We're so excited about that. It's going to be called the Excellence in Social Services Award. And that's really what the community voted on calling this award. And our council is really excited about introducing it. Thank you so much, Kathy, for your support in helping us bring this award to fruition. We will share more details about the nomination process and timelines with our social service community in the coming weeks. So stay tuned. On the growth and development front, uh, the council has really been working hard on educating the community on what is available for continuing education, um, which includes, you know, access to Relias, which is a broad library of CEU solutions for social service professions with over 150 courses. And this launches from the Humana Learning Center, and it's free to our associates, which is just really great because, you know, a lot of our professionals need this in order to continue with their license. Um, and the team is also focused this year on gathering and sharing deeper insights, academic and professional experience about the scope of practice of social work. It's been received as informative by leadership and has opened the door for additional conversations, especially as we think about the role of social work and behavioral health care managers in ecom. So we'll continue to further deepen our understanding and insights of the scope of behavioral health care management and other social service professions, which is so great because you could be a social service professional and do many different things. So it's really great to be able to educate the community about that. Thanks, Athena. I think it's really great progress. And, you know, it takes a lot of work to get a group kind of humming together as a team and starting all these initiatives. So um, my hat's off to all of you. You really bring a great passion and bring your A-game to the Social Service Advisory Council. So thank you for that. And I know all of our social services professionals, thank you too. So, you know, we really have all these passionate, dedicated clinicians who do so much for our members. And one of the things that I do think about when we're expending so much of our personal and professional energy taking care of and supporting others is compassion fatigue. Um, We've all heard about it. We've heard about high incidence of burnout with clinicians. Um, Thinking about how we show up as our best selves, not just in taking care of our members or our patients, but how we can take care of ourselves, take time to re-energize, you know, I think that that probably is something as clinicians we don't concentrate on as much as we should. So, Jackie, maybe you can talk to us a little bit more about compassion fatigue, what it is really, how might it show up in our lives, and what are some of the strategies that we might employ to um, kind of make sure that we are keeping focusing on ourselves and, and energizing ourselves as well as others. Sure, absolutely. And I know that this is something that's near and dear to all of our hearts, um, especially as we go into all of the holidays and time with family, and there can be so much strain at the end of the year, especially with maybe some anniversaries coming up um, or reminders of loved ones lost, not to mention how giving we are at work. And so I think it's really important just to remind ourselves that as givers, compassion fatigue occurs 
through the emotional strain of working with people who are suffering from their own impact of traumatic events on their lives. And that impact of a traumatic event really has a secondary impact on us. And remember, traumatic events can be anything. It could be something that others might not say is traumatic, but if the person has experienced the event, the event is something that really hurt them or something that has really impacted them and their life, then that's something that we should respect and acknowledge. And for ourselves, as we listen to our members' stories and hear what they're telling us, we learn from that, but we also may experience some of the pain that they're sharing as well. So as clinicians, we're essentially exposing ourselves to a level of traumatization as we listen to others share their own experiences. But we do this because we're drawn to helping others, even though the potential effect of walking beside many people who are having this difficult journey can take that toll on ourselves. So because of that, we all want you to remind yourselves, or we're here to remind you, that it's important to remember that fatigue in the work that we do can occur even from just one traumatic case. So this may not be something where you've talked to dozens of members or even hundreds of members over time. Even one very traumatic case can have an impact on you and your own emotional health. And this emotional exhaustion is something that you should trust. Listen to your body. When your body is giving you signs that you're feeling this way, like being tired or maybe not feeling like yourself or really thinking about this case after work hours or thinking about what has happened to this person after work hours and you're not paying attention to these signs that your body is telling you, that can lead to even more problems with work. And it really makes us want to depersonalize our work as a way of coping, which that in itself can be a problem as well because it takes so much emotional energy for us as social services professionals to be able to help others. And before we start to talk about some of the ways to help ourselves, I think um, we were going to talk a little more as well about what compassion fatigue is and where that comes from. So, um, Athena, I, I think, Jackie, first, I, what you discussed, I think, resonates with pretty much all clinicians and probably folks who are not clinicians, too. Um, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with that caring that we bring to the table. But, Athena, maybe you can discuss some of the signs that help uh, us to realize when we're hitting our glass full. Um, what are some of the signs to pay attention to in ourselves when we're experiencing compassion fatigue? Sure. Kathy, as you mentioned earlier, you know, many of us, we go into the helping professions because we enjoy caring for others, because it could be very rewarding. Um, Carl Jung, a, a very well-known and influential psychologist, coined the term wounded healer, which really resonates with me and I'm sure many others in the helping profession. Simply put, what this suggests is that many of us go into the helping profession based on our past experiences. So helping others, in essence, has a healing effect on, on us, which is why we are so drawn to this type of work. And I bring this up because it directly relates to compassion fatigue. You know, you have to be mindful of over-identifying with members you're working with, which may not be so obvious. So some signs um, that you may want to look out for would be emotional and physical exhaustion. Um, you may have trouble sleeping or, you know, labile mood. Uh, sometimes some difficulty concentrating at work or at home or you, you can't remember things easily. Um, if you find that your judgment seems impaired or you're starting to isolate yourself from others or, you know, you, you're feeling a little depressed, uh, hopeless, angry, 
You may have some uh, poor self-image, uh, low self-worth, and um, you know, just kind of a negative outlook on the world view. Um, those are just a few things that you may want to, uh, you know, think about and say, step back and be like, what's going on with me? What am I experiencing here? How can I address this? And then what, can you talk a little bit about what's the difference between compassion fatigue and burnout? We hear a lot about both of those. Yes, of course. So um, compassion fatigue and burnout, although they're similar, they're different in many ways. Um, The most important difference is that Compassion fatigue is trauma-related, as Jackie mentioned earlier, Um, while burnout is usually associated with an increased workload or institutional stress. Um, Also, with compassion fatigue, the onset of the symptoms I mentioned previously are more of a rapid onset, while burnout happens over the course of time. Um, So someone who is experiencing burnout may start with a lot of enthusiasm before Things start to slow down or become stagnated, um, followed by frustrations and maybe a negative outlook on the situation before feeling apathetic or indifferent about it. Thanks, Athena. I really appreciate your insight there. Jackie, what are some of the ways that you personally look to add some balance to your life to refill your cup, so to speak? Uh, thanks, Kathy. You know, and as Athena said, I, I got into the profession like like all of us, I think, is because we really so want to help others. And at the same time, I think when you're coming into a profession like this, you don't realize the toll that sometimes some of these um, stories that we hear from others can impact us. And so I'd like to share one of those stories now, and then I can share more about how I myself worked through that. Um, and this was something that for me was definitely what I would term as compassion fatigue. Like Athena said, it had a very rapid onset, and it was related to just one case, not a series of cases. Um, But one of the most difficult scenarios that I think all of us have experienced and that happened to me in this case is that you have somebody who you're trying to help, and at the same time that you're trying to help them, they're telling you, you don't care about me. You don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand my experience. I had somebody very like that who had a diagnosis that very much personally resonated with me. Unfortunately, this person did not believe that I truly wanted to help them, and even though they were very open in sharing what they were going through, they were also very open in sharing their dissatisfaction including becoming very angry with me in most of our calls. And because of my own personal experience with some of what they were experiencing, I found that I brought this work home with me, and it really impacted how I interacted with my family on the days that we talked, and it was pretty instant. So when we would have a conversation that evening, I would find myself ruminating about what we had talked about and just not feeling like it was working or I wasn't doing enough and um, really feeling like there was something that could go differently or that I could do more. And And ultimately, what happened in one of the more, um, I'll say, explosive conversations that we had is that um, I had plans that evening to go out for a show that we had bought tickets for, and I ended up not going um, just because I had just so much um, tiredness and just wasn't feeling up to going after talking with this person and after my work day. And that was really the key for me, missing that show. And I noticed the impact of how these conversations had on my own energy and how I was showing up at home with my family. I realized that to cope with the calls, I had been 
and pushing down some of the feelings I was having and not really um, listening to my body and my thoughts that were telling me this is really having a personal impact on you. And so what I was doing was trying to put distance emotionally between my own experience and this member's experience by not acknowledging the actual impact it had on me after talking with this member. So once I was able to honestly recognize that I had been pushing down how I was feeling myself, is almost like a secondary trauma to the event. And I was able to talk with a peer, which was Athena, um, who really helped me to talk about this experience. I felt empowered to take steps to practice self-care. And very intentionally on the days when I needed this, after talking with the member, I made a concerted effort to um, do some things to help myself, to make sure that I did something that was kind to myself that evening, whether it might be cook a favorite dinner or it might be um, just have a you know, a nice conversation with a friend or talk with somebody or maybe even just do something that I find mindless, which is reading a book. So for me, one thing I like to do in between calls and and meetings as well, especially when I have the time and it's been a little bit of a rough day is even during the workday, I'll play spa music on my Amazon device. That's something that I've also noticed really calms me, um, even if it's just for 15 minutes in between a call with a member or um, another meeting. Having that music and the soothing um, sound in my office really seems to help me as well. And it suits my thoughts and how I'm feeling. Thank you, Jackie. I really appreciate you sharing a personal story there. And I think it's great advice for all of us. Um, are, are there any other tips or resources that our listeners might tap into that you'd recommend that you found helpful in dealing with compassion fatigue, whether it's our own or how to support our coworkers? Um, as we as we kind of go through these difficult times? Yes, I have, Kathy. And they come directly um, from the American Institute of Stress. This is something that anybody can look up online if, you, again, you look for the American Institute of Stress. They call it the ABCs of dealing with compassion fatigue. And so I'm going to go through what each of the letters stands for and some of the ways that you can create balance in your life. So A stands for awareness. And so awareness, like you heard with my own story, was really just being open to what our minds and our bodies tells us is the first step. Listen to what your thoughts are. Listen to your mood. Listen to how you're feeling. When we feel strained from the work we do, that's normal. What we don't always do, though, is acknowledge the need for self-care and that our own emotional well-being does not make us weak. It makes us strong and self-aware, so better able to help others. The B stands for balance. You get to determine what this means for you. Ideally, you know, at Humana, we encourage you to take advantage of all the supports that we have, whether that's taking your wellness break. Make sure you're taking your lunches every day. Ideally, not lunch at your desk. That means that you're getting up, you're walking around, you're doing something, changing your view so that you're not just sitting there um, at your desk or wherever you may be that day um, out in somebody's home. Make sure that you do take those breaks as well. And most importantly, a work-life balance. Use your PTO. Use the the um, VTO, the volunteer time that Humana gives, so that we're able to have that time away from our day jobs. And then lastly, the C stands for connections. It's so important that we have relationships and people around, whether that's a coworker, a family member, a friend, even your pets. So I want to remind everybody that whether this is a person or a fur baby, having the support of friends, family, and our pets is integral to our emotional health. You may even want to consider an emotional check-in for yourself with a therapist or a mentor, even a clergy member. Sharing our experience is an important aspect of healing and self-care. 
Thanks, Jackie. That's really good advice and a great resource for everybody, too. And it's been such a great uh, discussion, really important topic. Um, and I would encourage all of us to really kind of reflect and think about this um, as we expend all this energy with our members, our patients, and all of the caring relationships that we have throughout the day. Um, some great information here. And Jackie and Athena, in addition to being great guests today, I really want to thank you for being pioneers and founding um, members of our social service. Advisory Council. Um, I'm really excited to see what 2020 brings with that group. So to our listeners, thank you as well for listening to today's episode. I encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play by searching the words, The Voice of Humana Nurses. We'd also love to hear from you. So send us an email at chiefnursingofficer at humana.com and give us your comments and your suggestions about topics or people you want to hear about or you want to hear from. So until next time, be well. Be well.